Freelancer, welcome to today's episode of the Freelance Blueprint Podcast. Today we're joined by Libby. Hi. And she's a freelancer who literally just started her journey. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm very excited to have her on this podcast today. Yeah, so Libby and I met years ago because she's yeah. my best friend's sister's best friend. Yeah, actually, it's a really complicated yeah. backstory <laughs> But yeah, it's true. We know each other for, what, 15 years, years now? 15 years, yeah. of course. Yeah, um, yeah. so um, I'm in Barcelona. She lives in Barcelona. Yeah, so, And she just started freelancing. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks, thanks. I'm very excited to be here. I'm also a bit nervous, so let's see how it goes. But I'm very, very happy to be part of it. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. I've been living here in Barcelona now for 10 years. I came right after school, I kind of took a gap year, so I was not sure what I want to do. So then I decided, okay, Barcelona is the place to kind of take a time out. And I kind of just came for a few months and now I've been here for almost 10 years. So it <laughs> got a bit out of hand. I started working in agencies, like in marketing. My background is like in social media and marketing. Uh, I started working first in agencies. There I, I mean, I guess most of the people who start to work in agencies after some time, you kind of see it's a super hectic and busy yeah. day. So then I switched to like to the brand side. In the last few years, I was in startup companies. Mm -hmm. So that's always super exciting because it's like a new project. You have a lot of freedom to do stuff and also to learn stuff. But at some point, it's also a bit frustrating because it's a ton of work and usually a lot of the companies run out of money or mm. because there's no funding. So I just kind of got tired to like repeat the process every time. I just, as you said, like I just started to freelance. In January, the last company I was at, they had a really big financial problem. So they had to let go of a lot of people that were in the company. And for me, it was kind of like a wake up call. So I took the time and at first I went to Africa for a month. I volunteered. Nice. Were you one of the people that were let go? Yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah, because they had to really cut budgets and how they do it in, usually in the startups, they cut the highest salaries. Yeah. So they let go all of the senior people and hired uh, interns. Okay. So that was kind of uh, a bit frustrating, especially after you've been there for a year and something and you know, you pour your heart into the project, you really get along well with the team and then kind of it's not due to your performance or something, it's just due to financial reasons and mm -hmm. this happens like a lot in, in startup companies. Basically, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so I talked to a few people about freelancing, firm jobs and people often think like being in a permanent job is secure. But how do you feel now that you've gone freelance literally this week? I think you started your new gig compared to when you were still in the permanent employment knowing that you've been made redundant do you feel more secure in your job as a freelancer even though you just started or do you think there's more security in a permanent job well th that's the first argument i heard when i when i kind of shared the idea that i wanted to start freelancing you're gonna need like a really good paid really well paid job to go freelance you have no security and then basically what happened in my last job, I, was, I had a like permanent contract. It was all going super well. And then like end of the year came and they got the numbers and it was just like, oh wow, we have to let go of eight people. It's just like an illusion of security. Yes, I agree. So I, I really think this way, at least I'm in charge of how like my destiny is gonna go, yeah. you know? So, so I, and I really feel that since that happened, I just felt like, okay, you know, this false sense of security, it's just an illusion and it's better maybe to try to make it on your own. Mm -hmm. 
and at least know that you tried it. You know? yeah. So yeah. So what exactly do you do? So you said social media marketing. What exactly are your tasks, and what did you get hired for on your first freelance gig? The past few years, I've been doing kind of everything in communication. So uh, starting from social media. Uh, but it reached also to email marketing, influencer marketing. In my last job, I did event management as well, so kind of the whole package. But it's true, like I'm focusing on social media, so that would include, first of all, like a social media audit, uh, where you kind of look uh, how does the client perform, what is, what are they doing well, what could they do differently, what is their competition doing. And then you kind of uh, you focus on their strategy, like how to make a tailored strategy to their business or their organization. Then basically uh, see what kind of content is performing well, what kind of collaborations we can do uh, to kind of push uh, the brand awareness to, depending on what the client is looking for, with brand awareness or maybe sales. So yeah, uh, it really depends on each of the, of the clients. Mm -hmm. Gig I just booked. It's an international organization. They're a non-profit. So basically for them, it's really important to push brand awareness, especially. So we're going kind of in that direction. Okay. How did you get into social media? Well, it was, I don't want to say by chance. <laughs> I studied marketing and advertising here in Barcelona. When I came out of uh, university, I kind of felt that I really wasn't that well prepared for the job market. So I started to work in, my first, in the first agency. The first thing they asked me like when I started, uh, do you know how to put on Facebook ads? I was like, what's a Facebook ad? <laughs> you know? yeah. So basically there was like, I mean, it's also almost six, seven years ago, but still, you know, you go to university for such a long time and then like the basic knowledge, they're not up to date. So there was kind of like a disappointment for me at that moment. Yeah, so I kind of started in that agency there uh, from the basics. And now I kind of saw that I really like it because it's a very, dynamic environment. So it changes a lot. It's very, very uh, interesting to be in it. And I feel there's a lot of potential as well for a lot of, for a lot of brands, also for personal brands, people who kind of just starting out, for example, freelancing, yeah. you can also, you don't have to be a really big brand with a lot of budget to kind of get, have an impact. So that's why I really like social media in that nice. way. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I think it's so interesting, especially I've been a little bit more active on social media in the last six months or something. And um, you start to connect with people. You're like, I know exactly what that feels like. You start to talk, uh, you give each other tips. I've never met those people in person. Some of them I have hopped on a call with. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, this is such a great person. I understand there's so many bad things about social media as well. Yeah, of course. But there's also a lot of good things if you use it the right way. If you were to start today into in like trying to get into social media and you said you studied but you didn't feel like it's up to date, if you wanted to do what you're doing now but you have no idea about social media, how would you get started? First of all, I would get a mentor. I think it's such an important thing and I didn't think it, it was, but in the end to have someone to kind of guide you and tell you, look, this is how I do things. This is how, like, we've done it in my company, how I learned it in the past. I mean, there are a lot of courses out there. So I would definitely also say, like, you can get online courses and educate yourself. But it's still, like, this, For at least for me, it's a super vital part to have, like, this one person or maybe even more people that you can uh, have kind of this uh, exchange of, you know, I really was thinking about doing this. How do you usually do it? How do you get best results? Uh, for example, for paid campaigns, uh, because that's something that I was struggling with a bit more because I didn't do it so much in the past. Mm -hmm. 
So when I got back into paid ads, I was like, oh my God, okay, where do I start, you know, like, and maybe the tools have changed and maybe I need to, you know, uh, set some different parameters. So to get someone who is working with it day to day and has really this kind of insight and can share it with you, I think it's really worth uh, investing in that. I hope you don't just say this because you know I'm kind of like off. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, definitely not. But I, I agree, I think it's so useful when you have someone who's done it before mm. and I was super lucky when I started freelancing because mm. the person who hired me, she was a woman, she was a CXO, I didn't even know the job title existed, so I'm doing UX design. Yeah. And where do I start? And then mm -hmm. she's like, okay, if I were you, I would start with an umbrella company and then if you figure out, okay, freelancing is for you, you can set up a limited company, but wow. see first if like all these kind of things, I had no idea what's like, yeah. what is a, an umbrella company. I thought it's like, you know, like how Coca-Cola is an umbrella of Sprite and I don't know what other brands there. I thought mm. that's what an umbrella is. No, it's something else yeah. in the freelance world. It was so useful. And mm. she was also like, okay, this is going to be your day rate. This is how you write the invoice properly. Yeah. And <laughs> it was so helpful. I mean, I think I could have figured those things out on mm. my own, but it was just so much easier having her who has done it before show me how to do it. And also with the courses, I agree with what you said, university, like some degrees you spend years yeah. doing that. And those boot camps, they compress all of it exactly. into like a short amount of time. And it's the most latest. It's yeah. like when I started UX design, for mm -hmm. example, Sketch was the design tool yeah and now it's Figma and nobody's using sketch anymore yeah and who knows if this is gonna still be the most relevant maybe in the future it's gonna be something else especially now that Adobe bought Figma and stuff mm -hmm. and I guess for you the same like maybe Twitter was big and now yeah. like, what's going on maybe who knows what direction it's gonna go maybe there's gonna be other social media tools um, nobody thought TikTok was big but then it blew up so there will always be something you have yeah. to learn um, are you still taking courses now or do you Google things? Like, how do you try and keep up today? Uh, yeah, definitely. Actually, like back to what you were saying, like about university and the courses, it was a really big kind of arguing point uh, when I told my parents I want to like start freelancing and they were like, oh, yeah, I should go for it. But don't you want to get a master's degree? <laughs> like, because I, I have a bachelor and then I started to work. And for them, it's like, especially my dad, he's like, oh, you should get a master's, you should get a master's. Because for him, it's like the way they open their mind to new ideas and new technologies and stuff. And then when I tell him like, that, you know, I know people who did masters in marketing or in social media or in business management, and they, most of them tell me, oh, it's super obsolete. Like I basically just paid five grand for a paper, you know, so stuff like that. And they kind of, I feel they don't really get it. Um, I mean, they are, they, they, in the end, they just want you to succeed, yeah. you know? But I, I think it's also kind of our, the responsibility of each of uh, us to defend this idea we have, because if not, if, if you kind of listen to my parents, and I really value the opinion of my parents, but I mean, they grew up in a different time. Yes. They, 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 for them as well, like they were like, oh, are you sure you want to freelance? Yes. Like, it's not the most secure thing. So, so it's a really, really different path for them that maybe they don't even understand yet. So I think we, it's kind of like guiding them through it and not just uh, get influenced too much by their opinion. Because yes. for me, it was like every time I was on a call with them, it was like, yeah, you know, 
with master's degree. But <laughs> so. it's good that you said no to that. Yeah. Because, I mean, I was um, 18, 19, mm. and I finished my A-levels, and then I went to film school. Yeah. And I was so excited to go. I really loved editing, filming, mm. all this kind of stuff. But the school was really bad. Yeah. So it ruined my passion for it wow. in a way. Like I'm okay. slowly getting it back. Like now, like recording this yeah, kind of yeah, stuff, yeah. it's like oh, it's, it's fun. <laughs> but I'm kind of like grieving that potential, like yeah. filmmaker that was traveling for. Like anyway, because film school was so bad, mm -hmm. I quit. Yeah. And I thought I'd not be someone who would quit a degree. And I told my dad I'm gonna quit. And he was like, oh, like I had two part-time jobs mm -hmm. at that, like like weekend jobs, you know, yeah. waiting tables, selling stuff in the furniture store. Yeah. And my dad was like, oh, just make one of them your full-time job so you're doing something. And I just did because I thought, my dad is smart, he knows. Yeah, yeah. And I wasted two, three years of my life just doing that job because yeah. I was so exhausted. So yes, take other people's opinion into account, but listen to what you actually want to do. Yeah. And like you said, they come from a different time. Yeah. Nowadays, things change so quickly. Yeah. No, for, for me, that's exactly it. So when I was telling them, no, you know, I want to invest in courses, and but of course it's not the same as a master. So I think that's really the big difference. But uh, back to the question you were asking. So yeah, I, I do courses, like especially now, I wasn't doing courses that are too expensive because I couldn't afford it right now on the pay I had, etc. But it's really, I'm starting to budget it into like my monthly expenses mm -hmm. that at least I can dedicate some amount of the money that I'm earning to educating myself more in especially like in the area that I'm working in and also maybe like uh, you know mindfulness business savvy because I feel that something especially when you work alone it's so important to kind of know how to set boundaries and yeah. maybe also kind of the procrastination thing that we've been talking about before we yeah. started filming and like it's just uh, yeah, like a lot of things that maybe don't have to do so much with the professional world, but more like with your personal world, mm -hmm. and that if that is going well. I think also what you said with like getting a mentor, I think mm -hmm. another very important thing is that you surround yourself with people doing similar things. Yeah. You don't have to do the exact same thing, but if you know other freelancers, mm -hmm. like I have uh, freelance friends who are like, what do you charge a late payment fee? Mm -hmm. What is that? Yeah. Yeah. Or um, I have friends who are like, oh, I never thought of setting an out of office. Mm. Even if I go on holiday, it would just like I would just still check my inbox. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but how do you switch off then? Yeah. So it's things like that that you learn from other freelancers. Mm. I find it so interesting because we're both from Austria. Yeah. Um, or grew up in Austria, you have different roots as well, right? Yeah, and um, my parents are from Slovakia. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think it's so interesting because I met so many freelancers who are very interested in talking about financing yeah and perm employees would be like no i'm not going to talk and or like yeah. they, they wouldn't say it this way but you can tell they're very uncomfortable um talking about it i find it so funny because freelancers are like yeah i, I want to know what other people are earning and i'm yeah. happy to share what i'm earning and usually when you're in a perm job it's like i don't want people to know what i'm earning but then it's like when you don't tell you don't know if maybe they're earning more than you for the same job maybe you should ask for more yeah um how do you feel now that you like as a freelancer you always have to make sure you get enough money coming in how did you manage your finances especially you said you got made redundant around january yeah um, and now it's end of may june how do you manage your finances well i have to say it was kind of a pain point you know because uh, i travel a lot and it's also part why i finally chose to start to freelance mm -hmm. because I've been living in Barcelona for a long time now and it's 
very expensive, like compared to what you earn as a permanent employee to what you actually manage to save up, it's really nothing. Mm. Like it's very, very little, especially, I mean, of course, if you stay at home and you don't, uh, don't do anything, you can save up money. But then, uh, for example, we pay rent here. It's almost 1,100 euros per month. Mm -hmm. uh, I share a flat with my boyfriend. So basically, this on a normal pay in, in Barcelona, you're lucky if you kind of manage to save up 200, 300 euros per month. Mm -hmm. And then with 200, 300 euros you save up per month, and you then maybe say, okay, I'm gonna want to go travel for three weeks. That's where your savings go, yeah. you know? So for me, it was kind of frust frustrating because I said like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm trying to save up. I'm, I don't go out that much. I maybe, you know, don't go and buy clothes and I save up because I really want to invest like in experiences and travel. But then in the end of the year, you still kind of think like, okay, and my pension and maybe if I actually want to save up for, I don't know, like some bigger expenses. Yeah. It's nothing. Then when uh, I started, you know, like I started to think about freelancing and I was talking to friends that actually freelance, they were like, no, no, you know, like I doubled, I tripled my salary. Yeah. Like I'm living my best life because I can move away for some time and like save on rent or I can do this and that to kind of actually make kind of like a pension plan, make like plan for savings, uh, invest my money. So that's all stuff that I've been pretty late on. Uh, I would say because uh, I think there's also not such a big culture around money. At least in, when we were small, it was like uh, there, there, no one talked to you about how to deal with money. So, of course, it was like, yeah, don't spend more than you have, of course. But there wasn't like, you know, as class in school, like, okay, you need to do this and this to set up a pension fund or you need to do this and this to invest your money. Um, so, yeah. Pension fund, it's one of the things that I talk to a lot of freelancers and they don't have anything for the pension. Mm. Because when you work, you automatically get some money deducted yeah. for your pension scheme. And I don't know what the rules are in Spain, Slovakia, or Austria. In the UK, I have my private pension fund. Mm -hmm. I have my company pension fund. Mm -hmm. I accumulated all my pensions from my previous employments. Oh, wow, and okay. uh, now there's three pension funds. Maybe I should accumulate them, but one of them I cannot pay into if it's from a limited fund. So it's, it's like, yeah. I should eventually sort them out, but I'm investing in my pension. Yeah. And I think it's very, very important that you do that. Don't forget about that. Yeah, no, actually it's the first thing I want to set up now this okay, summer. Okay, perfect. Because uh, I still need to kind of get informed about it, but here is, well, like you pay a certain amount, like your social security, which also goes, a, a part of it goes to your pension, but it's like minimum, mm -hmm. you know? So uh, yeah, definitely I'm thinking about that, especially, you know, you never know about the economics uh, and so on. So yeah, definitely better to have it on the private side, yes. I guess. And yeah. another really important thing is to kind of save up for a buffer. Mm -hmm. um, because like it's great if you have um, returning clients but sometimes and it doesn't have anything to do with your skills sometimes there is no demand in the market or like very low demand or people are busy with other things or there's just something where maybe you don't get work for a while yeah. um, so it's always good to have some extra savings so what I do is I definitely put all the money that I know I potentially put into mm -hmm. tax into a separate account 
and you can put it into a savings account where you get paid interest. Yeah. So maybe if you know, okay, by 2024 in July, I have to, so like in one year from now, I have to pay X amount of tax. Yeah. Put that into a one year fixed savings account. Mm -hmm. It's free money. Yeah, you uh, might yeah. not get a lot, yeah, but yeah. like now with the economics, the interest rates are actually going up. Mm -hmm. And yes, you pay income tax on that extra interest, yeah. but in the end, you still make free money yeah, out yeah, of it. Of like that's something that I only learned after like three years of freelancing. It's mm -hmm. like, what? I put all that money on the side, but it's just sitting there. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. it's going to go to the tax man, but yeah. I could have made like a couple hundred pounds from yeah. it more. And with those extra, let's say two, three hundred pounds a year. Oh, that's a course. Yeah, of course. Or yeah, you can do something. Yeah, yeah, or it's yeah. like, a, yeah, outsourcing something so it's always good to do that and always putting the money that you're about to pay into tax yeah. aside because you don't want to get into trouble with that yeah yeah so that's something I, I really kind of I, I learned from you and also from my my other friends that are freelancing already like to kind of uh, put money on side and yeah. kind of count on the worst case scenario and then be happy if the best case scenario yeah. happens but just to be prepared and yeah, yes exactly. but of course like don't count every single penny because like the reason you go freelance is also that you have more money so yeah. you can live life and yeah. you can expense i mean i don't know how it is in spain but mm. i'm pretty sure you can expense things as well yeah exactly yeah. i mean uh, you need to check i i can't expense my holidays but yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, yeah but uh, a lot of stuff you can yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then like also uh, what I kind of struggled with uh, in the beginning, like now in the beginning, but also like in the past when I was fully employed, is kind of to ask for money. Mm -hmm. Because you kind of think, wow, okay, I'm already earning, I don't know, 2,200 euros. Okay, so you're like, you know, it's high salary for Spain and whatever. But then, for example, I learned in the past company for the same job, not even for the same job, like for the an agency that they paid to do like a fifth part of my job they paid I think 10,000 euros per month so then kind of it gets into perspective yeah because you know they paid the agency maybe had a contingent of I don't know 15 hours per week and the work they put in is like minimal but then the, the agency is not afraid to ask for more money and since they need it mm -hmm. they're prepared to pay it yeah so for me, it's kind of this was kind of like a wake-up call. I mean, of course, in the beginning, you can't like just invoice. Okay, I'm gonna you know invoice ten thousand euros to this guy. If the company is going well, they usually have money and they yes. have a certain budget prepared to spend on like a qualified person. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not surprised at all about the prices an agency gets mm. because I think people like it's an agency. It's more than one person. It's this, 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 that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm charging on a day rate. Mm -hmm. Some people charge on a project rate. I'm just really, really bad with estimating how mm -hmm. much time things take me. That's why I just feel safer with a day rate. I feel like it should not be against time. Mm -hmm. But then also I do invest time, which is why I'm a bit worried with like project-based rates. Yeah. But it's about the value you give them. Yeah. It's a good way to charge based on the value you give. Mm -hmm. So. If maybe a social media post takes you five minutes, I know it's gonna take a while, yeah. but let's say it takes you five minutes, but then that goes viral. Yeah, they have hundred thousand more followers. Mm -hmm. If you charge them like because of those five minutes, yeah. you charge them, I don't know, fifty pounds, fifty euros, whatever, yeah. and, um, for one post. But then it blows up because you know your stuff, you know how to yeah. make it go viral, you know how to get engagement, whatever the um, KPIs are for social media. It's the value you give them. Yeah. So yeah. I once met this guy who was best friends with someone who was like 
Made in Chelsea mm -hmm. first, which is like this UK TV show. Okay. And he was saying that she posts twice per day mm -hmm. and she makes 2,000 grand, 2,000 pounds. Yeah. 2,000 grand, 2,000 pounds per Instagram post. Yeah, that's possible. Because she has 1 million followers yeah. and also a very targeted, specific niche. Mm -hmm. So, and initially I was like, wow like why do people pay that much for a yeah. post but then they get so much more out of it yeah no it's it's crazy like uh i've worked with influencers and yeah i got like requests for like five thousand euros per post wow so and, and it's not yeah, <laughs> really like I, I was thinking about like wow i mean of course big companies get so much more out of it but it's kind of starting to get inaccessible mm -hmm. you know for for small companies because it was a way for smaller companies to kind of get into the niche and it, it, it was a way to be very very close to the consumer mm -hmm. i think it still is uh but for example i really select who i follow or not anymore yeah so i i like this really really big influencers unless i'm like wow i love this person because you know, uh, they, for example, I love surfing and I love like vegetarian diet and like plant-based, whatever. So for me, I, I follow these kind of people and unless I'm like really feeling like close to them or saying yeah. like, oh, you know, I'm really identifying with what they are saying in the rest of their posts and so on, I'm not following this person. Mm -hmm. So so for me, it would be, uh, it, I really need to feel like this connection. Uh, yeah. And even then I'm super skeptical about what they are like talking about because but maybe it's because I'm in the industry so I kind of know the background but still I'm yeah, still more inclined to maybe buy something that uh, yeah, yeah. They offer, yeah I have like my current Instagram account mm -hmm. where I follow my friends and every now and then also some influencers because they post information that I'm interested in like yeah. health nutrition and stuff and then on my work account I pretty much follow just like UX designers uh, other designers yeah. entrepreneurs and it's so funny because you can tell some companies have like a social media campaign mm -hmm. because five out of the ten main influencers I follow on my work account are talking about the same software. Uh, so yeah. it's like, okay, do they actually use this? Yeah, or it's just a campaign. Or is it just a campaign? Like, how how can you tell? First of all, if it's a campaign, they need to uh, like say so in the description. Yeah, yeah. so it says it can't, it Yeah, says, exactly. It yes. can't be just if it if they do that, you can actually uh, like denounce it. So it's not legal. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, if, especially for people who are not working in this industry and are maybe not uh, like really so digital, like this new generation, it can be tricky to kind of see the difference. Yeah, uh, but it, I mean, like I see it's an ad. Mm -hmm. I, I know they promote mm -hmm. it. They all have a discount code. Yeah. And if you sign up with them, they get a discount. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, I'm interested in this. Yeah. One is like an invoicing tool, which yeah. I want to automate because yeah, yeah, you know this one specific yeah. client that doesn't pay their invoice. So if it's just an automated, Oh, this is an automated note that this invoice hasn't been paid blah 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 yeah. you know something like that so they've all been promoting that same tool i've never heard of it before yeah. so you could like oh i prefer this freelancer or this freelancer doesn't have that many followers so i'm going to use his code yeah, because yeah. you get the same kind of stuff but then yeah. it's like do they actually use the product or are they just paid a lot of money yeah. because they're very in that niche so when you do your marketing campaigns like do you send i don't know what if it is like a product or something that do you send them do you send them the product for them to try or is it like oh here's money if you say you're using this 
chocolate tea whatever for me in the past when i when we've been working with influencers it was always in uh, companies that had products so it was not a service it was uh, product based mm -hmm. first it was a cosmetics company and then it was like a healthcare cosmetics company as well mm -hmm. so basically what we did most of the influencers we've been working on uh, with it's been based on product exchange the main reason being because it was a startup and they didn't have money to invest in mm -hmm. so there's a really big workload behind like contacting a, like a person that could be interested talking to them about the product convincing them you send them the product to test and then ideally you kind of get a contract out of it and you say okay we send you more of this product to test if you promote it etc mm -hmm. this doesn't work always like that so so if there are bigger influencers and I'm like if I'm saying bigger uh, it starts sometimes already with 10,000 followers so it's getting these big yeah yeah, yeah, no, yeah of course but like in the industry if you say 10,000 it's a micro influencer mm -hmm. you know and then you have the big ones which are like from maybe 150 upwards yeah. But yeah, someone who has 10,000, I mean, of course, for me, it's also like, oh, it's starting to, yeah. they have like a niche, they mm -hmm. have an audience, but they are not like super big influencers. So I think what small brands do a lot, they go to this kind of people who are still willing to be, who are still happy to be approached by brands, by small brands as well, and that they are maybe uh, open to test. The, those products as well mm -hmm. but yeah definitely big influencers sometimes they can be also very rude they are like oh you know like if i don't get i don't know 1500 euros for one post i'm i'm not interested mm -hmm. so it's like i mean yeah but don't you even want to test it there, there are these kinds of people but there are also the people who are like really faithful to their audience and who have a very strong policy on what they try and what they don't try yeah so these are the kind of people who I think are the most interesting ones. Mm. These are the people that in the end you will end up finding and you will end up following. Because like if the person you're following every second day, there's a second brand, yeah. a, a, a third, five, fifth brand, you will be like, okay, they're basically just like setting out to do stuff. Mm -hmm. However, if it's a person who usually posts more like private co or like content, for their audience and from time to time they have collaboration and yeah like i think like with those specific campaigns like if they never really advertise anything mm. but then all of them advertise the same thing it's like hmm, should i be suspicious <laughs> but no but i mean maybe it's i mean for sure they've been approached by a brand yeah. but i would also say like uh, if those are people you've been following because they have like valuable content and they kind of uh, have a certain portion of your trust. Give it a try. I mean, I guess there's like a trial period for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I I'm also very suspicious about that. So, so I I know what you're That's talking, why I'm asking. About. That's why I'm asking. Um, but still, there is some stuff where I would say, okay, yeah, I'm gonna give it a try. So for me, in the end, I think this is a very personal thing. Everyone needs to decide. Okay. Um, do I blindly trust this person? Do I also read what is going into the product? So for me, it was like, a, okay, I go on their website, I see what is in there, like how do they produce it? And then you make like an educated decision. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be necessarily bad, you know, like if it's a product, but there are some, there is some stuff out there 
it's like amazing, but just no one knows about yes, it. Yes, yeah. So I mean, why shouldn't maybe this tool, uh, this Inverse tool, is gonna be like amazing and it's gonna revolutionize your world, and uh, you know, uh, you won't have to write an invoice ever again. So <laughs> who knows, you yeah. know? And um, yeah, maybe some. I, I guess just, we just have to kind of decide who we put our trust in. Yeah, yeah. and I think like. I'm just trying to get it back to freelancing somehow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. We kind of got yeah. away from it. I think it's also like very much trial and error when you freelance because you figure out what works for you and what doesn't. Yeah. Like back to the invoicing and the client who didn't pay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they paid, but they paid delayed. And it's the one where I have my subcontractor on. Yeah. And I just told her like, don't worry, you get paid for your hours. Yeah. I hired you, so yeah. don't worry. And I have enough savings for these kind of occasions, but I just want you to know what's going on in the background, like that they are not paying their invoices on yeah. time. Because, for example, I was saying like it's part of the contract yeah. that they have to pay the late payment fee. Yeah. They pay the invoice, but without the extra fee. And then I went, I was like, wait, did they actually sign that contract? And because in my head, it's like I've prepared the contract, I've signed it, I sent it over to them. Mm -hmm. So for mine, it was done. But They've never sent the signed version. I didn't ever send it back. No, wow. but it's yeah. also um, a standard procedure. Yeah. So even if there's no um, official contract, mm -hmm. even if it's just like I have proof of emails that yeah. it's like, okay, we're starting work. Mm -hmm. And also we're in the Slack channel now, which shows that yeah. work is going on. And I think the default um, late payment fee is actually higher than what I have in the contract. So okay. even though they didn't sign the contract, I might even be better off and not signing technically. I don't, yeah, I'm yeah, not going to yeah. put. I don't want to go for a court procedure no, or whatever. Of course, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's things like that where it's like, okay, I learned it for the next time. Yeah. And even though it's a client I've worked with in the past and I know they're a bit chaotic, mm. I know they missed the one or the other invoice, but now it's been three invoices they paid, but never on time. Yeah. And it's kind of like for me, it's a bit disrespectful. Okay, it's trial and error. So how am I going to compensate for next time? Even though I trust another client from the past mm. and they book me again, I'm going to be like, Please pay five days in advance. Yeah. Just so there's something there. Yeah. Just yeah. for goodwill, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it's gonna be like, okay, this happened, I learned from it, next one I'll do it differently. Mm -hmm. And you don't wanna ruin the trust, but yeah. you learn from it. And also business is business. Yeah. But I also feel it's kind of setting your boundaries. Yeah. You know, so so for me it's that the thing you were saying, like if people who don't say they are going on vacation, they just keep on checking their emails. Mm -hmm. Or people who just answer the phone all the time i mean it's sunday don't answer the phone yeah. like if they if it's really there is no design emergency there is no social media emergency like deadline exactly who is going to be dead yeah, you know? yeah, like, yeah it's never it's like i understand when there's like legal things like i remember this whole gdpr thing yeah. and everyone's like oh my god we have to have this live by this time no, of course but yeah. now it's like it's a design it's a feature no one's gonna die if this is gonna go live a couple yeah. days late and also, like so far, all the deadlines were met. I never mm -hmm. had any issues with that, luckily. Yeah. But it's also kind of like this stress, this drama, and it's. I also that was trial and error for me. Mm -hmm. One of the first gigs I started was a startup where I really liked the values, mm -hmm. and she said upfront, "I can't afford your rate, but I would love to work with you. Is there somewhere we can meet in the mm -hmm. middle?" So we agreed uh, on a lower price. And that client turned out to be the nightmare client, oh, wow. like the worst client I've had. Yes, she paid her invoices on time, but she would message you, Slack you so many times. And we agreed to like two days per week or something. And she would constantly message. And then even though it wasn't a day that was dedicated mm -hmm. to her, it's like, oh, can you do this quickly? It's just a five minute job. 
yes, it's a five-minute job, but I'm working on something else. So yeah. context switching, mm -hmm. like finding that file, this, 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 that. And it's like, why do you stress me now? Because you know what days I'm working mm -hmm. for. But back then, I was like so worried that like I wanted to also yeah. appease her a little bit in yeah. the sense of like I want her to like me because I like her values, I really like the company and it's also this client, kind of client relationship where you get on mm -hmm. personality-wise but there's yeah. like this business thing so it's like you still have to like put up a bit of a wall, maybe yeah. not a wall but like a fence or something yeah. so it's, it's, I like you as a person but while we're working together we are not going to talk about your relationship issues mm -hmm. but we're not going to talk about this, 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 that yeah. so it's different when you're in a work environment, I think, yeah. like in a permanent job where maybe you meet your colleagues all the time in an office um, and then there's going to be chats that people talk to you about the personal lives. You become friends mm -hmm. outside of work as well. But I think when you freelance and it's like a set amount of time, yeah, it's tricky sometimes with some clients, they're incredibly nice, but it's also like you don't want to get involved in any gossip. That's the thing that I love about freelancing. Yeah. You usually don't get involved into company politics. Oh, you don't nice. know if Peter from HR had a thing with the internet <laughs> or something. You yeah, know that. you get lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So all the important information gets missing there. <laughs> yeah. You can actually concentrate on your yeah. job, and you're not in. It's sometimes you hear maybe something if yeah. you with on a contract for like more than three four months mm -hmm. but also because it's freelance it's usually for one specific yeah. project i mean i don't know with social media you probably have a few rolling clients yeah like for example for me as i said like i'm just starting out now so for me uh what i'm really happy about is about this one client i booked because it's kind of a very consistent one mm -hmm. they've been looking for someone uh for a whole year at least uh, so we signed a contract for a year uh, for 30 hours a week. So for me, that's like amazing because I kind of have like this uh, still kind of security to start freelancing and uh, still have time to do some small projects next to it. Mm -hmm. With them, I'm a bit more involved because it's really a lot of hours. But with this other, uh, other project, basically, uh, we just organize meetings. Like, for example, okay, Let's have a catch-up meeting uh, to kind of review what we're gonna do because yeah. I, I feel yeah so much time gets wasted in meetings yes and i also think because you're a freelancer people like oh no we're paying that person x amount which is mm -hmm. usually more than they pay a permanent person so they double check if they should invite you in a meeting or not yeah so yeah. they're like uh, uh, actually yeah this could be an email yeah, 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 yeah and it's also sometimes you have to teach that mm -hmm. to your clients that well, this could have been an email, it would have been more efficient if you would have just been like, oh, can you add this there? You don't have to do a call. And another thing that's so interesting, some clients are pretty much like, hi, we need X, Y, and Z. Any questions? No, bye. And other clients are like, how was your weekend? How yeah, was your weekend? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's also, you have to learn to do the same yeah. because I feel like those clients where they're like, da, 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 and you ask them, how was your day? They're like, I don't want to waste time on that. Yeah, yeah and those yeah. clients where you don't like that ask you a question, mm -hmm. but you don't ask them back. Like, oh, this person's a bit rude. Because also people work with you not just with the quality of your work, but yeah. because of your personality. Yeah, that's true. Like that's such a big thing. I didn't yeah. thought it would be, but yeah, for for me actually that was one big thing that I was really worried when I uh, because I was as I was saying on in January I got laid off, mm -hmm. and so I kind of was like, okay, I'm gonna take some time to think what I wanna do. Um, and then when I kind of decided, okay, I'm gonna start freelancing. So I started to work on my website and started to kind of uh, tell people I'm gonna freelance. So maybe someone knows of some projects and so on. 
and then in the end I was really really worried that wow what you know after a month or two when mm -hmm. you're like kind of thinking about it and like nothing happened um, I remember like I met a friend um, and she was telling me about this job like that she, she's working in a cosmetics company and she was telling me you know we have an opening in marketing if you want like for sure I can you know pull some strings and network. they need someone exactly network network but then she was telling me about her job it would it wouldn't be like freelancing it would be like fully employed mm -hmm. and she works like from eight to eight she's so stressed out all the time and I was just like looking at her and I was thinking that and, and I told her like I'm so grateful that did you been thinking about me but I just although I'm super worried I'm not gonna get a client I just really don't want to go back to like being employed and then the next day I got like an email from like this recruiter who were looking for someone like to actually work like in my dream organization for a project that I'm really really passionate about so um, yeah I think sometimes it's maybe just a matter of uh, having faith and yeah kind of waiting stuff out and yeah. uh, maybe just like what if you start walking in the right direction I feel stuff is gonna start rolling I think so it's like people think like oh my god I'm never gonna find a client and we talked about this yeah. the other day yeah, as well, exactly. where it's like people are so scared not finding clients but what I've experienced from most of the people that I met is like they suddenly get so many projects that they get overwhelmed they don't yeah. know what to do with their time they start procrastinating on the wrong things and then they do everything last minute and it's just like too much but I also feel like every freelancer has to go through that phase yeah. to learn who to say yes to what project to say no to and also every time you say yes to a client you kind of say no to what you initially wanted to do with freelancing that you have more free time yeah. and it's easy to get this especially when you just start um this fear of like what if i was just lucky with this client what if yeah. nobody else books me but it's like no there's always project there's always clients i'm going to wrap this up with three questions that Perfect. i usually ask at the end of a podcast and you just started yeah so i don't know how relevant this question is now but would you ever go back to a permanent job from where i'm right now no <laughs> because uh, i don't know how long i can extend the answer but um like the first time I started to free, uh, like work remotely, where I had like comp I was working for one company that I had complete freedom of where I was working on and like the hours. Mm -hmm. Oh my god, it was such a life changing experience! Yeah. I spent two months on the Canary Islands. Yes. I was surfing every day, and I was still working. You know, so I was like, wow, I love this. You know, like I love uh, being the boss of me. I mm -hmm. love uh, being able. To kind of schedule my time especially because i sometimes do have the problem with procrastination <laughs> so so if someone tells me you need to be eight hours in front of the computer it's that's just not me like yeah. i i sometimes for example now i kind of got used to this routine where i work in the morning then i maybe go to the gym or i go outside and then in the afternoon i maybe sit down again to just do catch up on work and do some maybe not so important work just more uh, organizing stuff and so on for now no <laughs> <laughs> it just gets better okay gets better. <laughs> i hope so and another question if you could go back in time to january where you mm -hmm. were um let go what would you tell your six months younger self i think i would say like not to worry that stuff kind of has its way of working out and 
just to kind of trust in the process. You know, and then even when you think stuff's not moving forward, but it kind of is because you, you know, maybe the day that you just uh, moved around on your website, like two paragraphs, but hey, at least you kind of wrote down what your website's about and yeah. uh, you designed the layout. So for me, I got very frustrated in that process because I was like, oh my God, I'm procrastinating so much and not doing anything. So and in the end, I think that's the thing, like just to kind of oh, trust. You have a running website now. So yeah, you've done yeah. something. Yeah, I, I know. I, I'm, I'm so happy about it. Like that was such a big achievement <laughs> just to kind of, you know, say like, okay, it's done. Like I, I still can do st so much stuff better, but I think it's just this 80%, uh, yeah. 70, 80% uh, rule where it doesn't have to be perfect. Just no. like make it work. If it's working, you can still perfect it afterwards. So yeah, it's yeah. better to have some sort of website life, even if it's just your email address, then yeah. it would be to have nothing. That's true. Yeah. Because yeah. this way you can get found online. And yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> the final question. Yeah. If your future self, let's say five years from now, mm. would travel back in time to you today, okay. what do you think would they tell you? <sighs> um, wow, it's a really hard question, <laughs> huh? Like, I hope she's kind of like telling me, oh, you know, you're already financially independent and you have your van and you're just traveling around. <laughs> I hope she's going to tell me I know how to set boundaries. I, that I will enjoy kind of the, the, the reasons why I became a freelancer is to have more time and be financially independent. And that I don't get stuck in what you were saying, like getting too many clients and working like till nine in the evening and so on. Like, I hope that she will tell me that we managed to kind of keep that at bay and still uh, reach the financial goals. And also that I kind of like um, didn't just stay in the social media area because I, I would love to kind of expand on that, maybe um, doing maybe some consulting or some different kind of business assessment so yeah hopefully in five years maybe i'm, I'm there already <laughs> yeah yeah cool so, yeah. well it looks like you have a route plan and a goal with touring with your van i hope so. Business, so i hope so i hope so nice but, yeah well this was really really nice i hope the sound is okay yeah i hope so too but thank you so much for having me on the podcast Thanks so i much. hope it was